Every divorce has its unique challenges. Having helped people in many different high-conflict divorces, I know that when children and alcohol are involved, the situation becomes even more challenging. Whether you are concerned about child safety when an ex is co-parenting, or trying to prove your sobriety for custody, finding a reliable system that you trust can be difficult. That's why I love and recommend Soberlink. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system makes it easy to document sobriety in real time, ensuring child safety and providing tangible evidence of sobriety to the court as needed. It's easy to use and has features like facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting that all work together to improve your life during this difficult time. To help those in my audience who are going through divorce with children, I've worked with Soberlink to develop five tips for divorces involving children that you can download at www.soberlink.com backslash JBD. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. Sometimes the triggers are anger and frustration. Sometimes the triggers are guilt and shame and fear and all those other things. And those are things that get in our way and get us stuck and make it hard to move the situation forward. And I think that that's really what we're talking about is once everybody's come, how do, what are the tools that we want to lean into to move the situation forward? Welcome to JVD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. I'm here again with Diane Dempster, and this is part four of our four-part series on triggers. Today, we're talking about after the trigger, what to do when everyone is calm. Welcome, Diane. Well, and I'm laughing because you say what to do when everybody's calm, right? So we're talking about people who are going through some phase of a divorce process. It's, it's not likely that you're going to be like super calm in this, although as we've talked about in the weeks leading up to this, it, that's really the goal here is to get you as calm as you can because you are more powerful and more discerning and more conscious, the more calm you are, right? We, we talked about the three parts of the brain and the fact that when we're triggered, we're all up in the emotional part of our brain and, and our choices are fight or flight, right? It, it, or freeze. And those are not really effective tools when you're navigating through a divorce or through conflict and those sorts of things. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is now that you have all these tools for managing your triggers and noticing when the person you're having conflict with is, is triggered as well, it, it it's what do you do then? 
Right. And, and I want to remind us, we didn't really talk about this in the last one, Karen, but sometimes the triggers are anger and frustration. Sometimes the triggers are guilt and shame and fear and all those other things. And those are things that get in our way and get us stuck and make it hard to move the situation forward. And I think that that's really what we're talking about is once everybody's come, how do, what are the tools that we want to lean into to move the situation forward? Whether it's resolving a conflict or making a decision about a parenting agreement or whatever it is, it's the sort of, we want to talk today about what are our problem solving and our conflict management tools that we can now engage in once we're there. Right. Once we're calm. Karen, so what are some of your your Well, and before we get into that, I, I, I just want to speak to what so many people do experience, which is after the fight, you sweep it under the rug, right? After yeah. the conflict, you sweep it under the rug until the issue comes up again and then you rinse and repeat. And then you repeat. have the fight again. Exactly. Or... After the conflict, you just start engaging in the same way and you're back. I used to call it the merry-go-round. I was like, I do not want to be on this merry-go-round another moment. And so if you're uh, headed toward divorce, in divorce, post-divorce, these are some of the, the experiences you've probably had up until now. And today... Um, we're really looking to give you some um, some tips and tools to do it differently once you're calmed down from that trigger. Well, and here's what I would say. It's, it's that commitment to not. So we talk about ending the argument versus resolving the conflict. And a lot of times because we end the argument by one of us runs off or the other one slams the door or whatever, or whatever we hang up the phone or we stop texting or whatever ends up happening. You've ended the argument. But a lot of times we don't ever go back and say, okay, so what were we really arguing about? What's the underlying conflict? Does it need to be resolved? Or were we just arguing as, as a, you know, a, a side effect of the emotional baggage that we've been carrying because this relationship is struggling? Or is there a real decision that needs to be made? Is there a real conflict that needs to be resolved? And we tend to forget that part of it. And that's the important piece because if you can resolve the conflict, then you can, in many instances, end the argument. Um, so you're not having to come back and, and do the merry-go-round. Exactly. So where where do we start our listeners? With well, this? I think that the question is kind of like, what are some of your common communication tools when you're navigating conflict um, between uh, either former couples or in the process of uncoupling, those sorts of things? Right. And so, as we know, as coaches, one of the most powerful things that you can do is listen. And oftentimes people are um, preparing their rebut while they're listening. They're not like fully present and listening. And so um, when you fully listen and you listen with curiosity instead of listening for what you're going to argue against, we often learn things. And so the first thing I would say is that that taking the time to truly listen to the other person and, and then right on the tails of that, there's something really powerful in reflecting back and acknowledging. Acknowledging is not agreeing, it's acknowledging. Right. So I'm gonna say that again. Acknowledging isn't agreeing. It and yet we all wanna be heard and acknowledged, and it's like I hear you and I hear that you believe that, you know, our 13 year old should be playing, you know, 
let's say violent gaming games. And you don't, I hear that you don't see that there is any problem with that. Um, just that piece, just hearing and acknowledging what they're saying is, is huge as opposed to just, but, and then following through with that. Yeah. Well, and as you were saying that curiosity and compassion, right. It's this sort of, again, compassion isn't agreeing. Compassion is, I get, I get completely. I know, I know how you see the world. Right. I was married to you. I, right. I get how you see the world. And it makes sense that you would see this situation that way, knowing how you see the world. And, and that's adding even the validation. And so it may feel hard for you, but if you could put yourself in the position of, of your ex or soon to be ex hearing you, acknowledging you and validating that even if he or she doesn't agree that given your perspective, your emotions around it makes sense, that so often it brings down our dukes, people who are in fight um, feel a little bit calmer, a little bit more willing to engage in the conversation. So that's a great tip as you enter conversations where there's disagreement. Well, and it's a thing that you can model, right? Because a lot of us, I'm imagining people going, yeah, but they're never going to, they're never going to reflect for me. They're never going to, it, it doesn't matter necessarily if they don't do it. If you model it, if you say, this is what I'm hearing you say, I can hear that this is important to you. It's a way to, to pause the conversation enough so that they feel heard, which is going to make them more likely to hear you. Even if they're the kind of person that has a hard time hearing you, it's going to make them more likely to be heard. And, and even then saying, you know, I have a different perspective. Can I share it with you? Like there's yeah. there's a softness. And trust me, I know that, that like that concept of softness when you're in this this um conflict, this like big decision conflict is hard. And yet you will be so much more effective and efficient um, when you can step back and engage in that kind of conversation. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that the other piece of this, so we were just talking about um, a, a, a form of agreement, right? It's just sort of, if, if you have, if you know that you're in having to have these difficult conversations where you don't agree, right? It's just sort of, you know, that you're trying to resolve some really tough decisions, if you can find a way to agree to let's try to listen to each other, let's try to reflect. If you can have the conversation in a calm moment to say, hey, I'm going to start trying to do this. I'm going to listen. I'm going to work really hard on listening. I'm going to work really hard on, on reflecting on what you've said so that you're feeling like I understand. And, and is that something you could try to do as well? You know, that, that could be a deal you make that every time you try to have a conversation, you bring that tool in. Um, another agreement, um, Karen, that you mentioned earlier is that there's times that when you hit a, a railroad in the conflict that you need to say, you know what, we got to let our lawyers talk about this. Right. This is not something we're going to be able to resolve. We've got to push it somewhere else because we're, we're just not getting anywhere with this or, or agree to disagree or whatever it is. Yeah, right? and I think it's, it's either or. And so you're either... How important is it? Can I agree to disagree? Can he parent differently than me? Or can, you know, is this that vital that we agree? Or if it is, which there'll be plenty of things that are, 
when you notice the right insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So if that's where your conversation around a negotiating point always goes, that's why you have an attorney. They are very skilled in negotiating. They're not as emotionally involved. And so you can simply agree that this piece is going to have to be handled by the attorneys. And if you're post-divorce and you're co-parenting together, um, and this is a whole topic in and of itself, but yeah. it really does come to how important is it because if the children's safety is not um, in danger, there are a lot of things that we really need to let go of and you need to agree to disagree. And if you're in that high conflict situation, you do it your way in your household, he or she does it their way in their household. And that's that's as good as it gets and you have to let it go. And well, that's and I think the other side of that is the parenting agreement, right? It's just sort of, if the parenting agreement becomes the decision-making body, it's kind of like, instead of handing it to the lawyer, you're handing it to the parenting agreement and, exactly. and say, well, what, how, what decision would the parenting agreement make in this instance? Or does the parenting agreement cover this? If the parenting agreement doesn't cover this, we need to go back and modify the parenting agreement. I mean, so it's just sort of, instead of you guys trying to resolve it, you have that grounding in the agreement that enables you to navigate differences of opinion. Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. Um, so I think the, the other question, you know, we talk, we talk about boundaries and there's, there's boundaries at all levels here, Karen, but part of this is about when to engage and when not to engage. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, yeah, we can go back to what, what we talked about in one of the previous, uh, episodes where, creating space, choosing to wait until you're calm and clear um, and, and asking how important is it? I think that those are the two key things where you can keep yourself in check. Am I, am I emotionally prepared to have this conversation? And does this conversation need to be had? Does, does there need to be agreement on this? And so that's one level of boundary. And the other level of boundary is really, um, it, it, it's, it's in, in words and actions and how you engage with the other person. So we were talking about this earlier, Diane, there's a tendency to you made me feel and you made me do. Um, and, and so we have a whole, a whole episode on boundaries that if that's your challenge, I, I invite you to listen to that. Uh, but to be able to take ownership of your feelings and your actions and invite the other person to do the same. And even if they don't, you do, you take full responsibility for your feelings and your actions. And that really helps to, um, uh, to open lines of communication. Well, and I think that the, the thing that's coming up is you're saying this and, and, and that word boundaries, it means so many different things to different people, but 
in the context of triggers, you know, kind of having a sense for yourself of when it is okay to engage and when it's not okay for you to engage when the other person is triggered. It's just sort of being really clear. You know, the same thing happens in couples where one person has um, substance abuse issues, right? It's just sort of, we don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have any serious conversations when I know that my my spouse or, or soon to be ex or ex is, you know, has been using, you know, and so having that in place as a boundary when they're, when they're in their amygdala, I'm not going to engage, right? It's just sort of, no matter how many times you chase me around the house, trying to get me to resolve this argument or, or, you know, call me on the phone or text me or whatever else I'm saying, you know, I'm the computer. I'm, I'm, I will, I'm happy to talk to you about this when you're calm. I'm happy to talk to you about this tomorrow. I'm happy to talk, you know, it's that sort of being really clear on what does and doesn't feel healthy for you. And and like you said in the last episode, you could be the fight or the flight person. And so if somebody needs time and you're kind of calling them, texting them, banging on their door, whatever you're doing, and they need time, um, then that's a boundary that, that, um, that you're well served to respect. And you may feel like, well, I need to talk about this right away. Uh, well, it's not going to go in a good direction if you're not both ready. And so, um, and so that's a boundary. The boundary is pulling back and taking care of yourself and giving them the space that they need. Uh, so that again, so that the outcome is more effective. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the other thing, so we're talking about kind of what to do when you're calm. And I think the other thing to do when you're calm is to begin to model. And many, many of you guys have kids, right? And it's just sort of, then they've watched, maybe you guys have active conflict in your household, right? It's just sort of, I know that that was part of my story is that my kids had to watch us argue a lot. And that was uncomfortable for me. And what I spent a lot of time on after my ex moved out was, how do I help them manage their triggers in a way that was more healthy than what they observed, right? So we want them to create new habits. And I think that trigger management is something that's so powerful to teach to your kids. If you've got kids or, you know, to share with, share with your coworkers, if you end up, you know, in conflict and arguments at work. I mean, this is stuff that people deal with every day. It's so natural and so normal. And it's, again, it's one of those things that we kind of avoid. We, we just kind of have the blow up and then we walk away and we don't ever figure out how to come back and finish it. Absolutely. And, and uh, one of the uh, approaches that I often encourage my clients is, you know, don't, don't just bring up an important um, topic or even that topic that you just had a fight over, uh, schedule it. You know, don't, don't, don't just get on the phone and say, I need to talk to you about like schedule it. Can we talk for a half hour on Saturday? And, and you can schedule a time. You could, you could mention the topic, but don't step onto the slippery slope of having the conversation. And if you know that one or the other of you tend to be verbose or to bring in everything that's in the kitchen sink, you can, you can limit it, the time, you can limit the topic, uh, you can set 
whatever rules you want, whatever agreements you want around that conversation. Uh, yeah. We're each going to reflect back to the other person before we before we, you know, rebut, so to speak. And so you can create safe spaces and that is boundaries. Setting that agreement and getting agreement allows you to um, to move through that conversation. Like I call it the conversation about the conversation, right? It's yeah. just sort of let's, I, I want to talk to you about this. What can I do that's going to make it easier for us to have this conversation? When's it convenient? you know, noticing how much patience they have. It may mean to be three or four small dinky conversations. If, if, if it's a real hot topic, you might need to just, you know, breadcrumbs, like right. a little bit here, a little bit there and, and work your way through the difficult conversation instead of trying to have a two hour conversation about something that's really very heated. Right. Like you start talking about shared parenting and there's like a gazillion pieces to it. So if you're getting involved in a conversation about finances, shared parenting, whatever it is, see if you can chunk it down. And especially if it's a hot topic, just just take it one piece. And and to Diane's point, ask, don't don't tell, always ask, like, I have a thought. What do you think about it? You know, can we agree on this? And and those little um, uh, kindnesses, those little um, offerings of respect uh, go a really long way. Well, and I think that that's it. It's just sort of it's it's hard to take the high road when you're feeling grumpy and cranky and, and betrayed and whatever else you're feeling. And it, it definitely makes it easier on some level. If you're, if you take the high road to, again, it's that sort of, how do we keep our brain calm so that we can use our rational brain? You've got to be believe. That's what I said at the end of the last episode, you got to be willing to consider that staying calm will get you a better outcome than getting into an argument or getting into a, a full-on fight. And nobody can make you behave poorly. That's a boundary. Nobody, so if you wanna go through your divorce with grace and dignity or your post-divorce co-parenting with grace and dignity, nobody can make you behave poorly. That's a choice that you make. And regardless of how the other parent is showing up, or if you're having this trigger with your kids, no matter how the other person shows up, you do have that, um, that ability uh, to take the high road, to go through it with grace and dignity and invite everybody else up to a higher level. Well, and I think it comes down to kind of what your vision of, you know, what is it that you most want to feel like, to be like, what's your, what's, I don't know how else to say this. It's like, what do you want your presence to be like? Right. It's yeah. sort of, if you mm -hmm. want to be standing in your power as, as a, as a person, then, you know, create an image for what that power, what powerful looks like. It's just sort of, a lot of times we create stories that powerful is loud and boisterous and raw. And maybe that's not, maybe powerful is like, I'm not going to let this get to me. I'm not going to let the story hijack me. Maybe that's what powerful looks like. But this gets back to kind of setting intention and being really clear ahead of time before the conversations. And of how do you want this to go? What's your role that you can try to play in making it go that way? And really trying to, instead of just starting a conversation, engage in a conversation and think about it before you, before you engage.
Yeah. And, and the way I would uh, put that is, you know, we all have values of how we want to show up, how we want to be in the world. And so it's honoring those values of how you want to be in the world. I have a, I have one of my kids can be a little bit conflict and oriented. And so a lot of times I find myself saying, um, I'm not going to fight with you. I love you you and I am not going to engage in a fight. And when you're ready, I will engage in a conversation. And, and so it's my responsibility not to get dragged into something that I don't want to be in. And, and that's what we're inviting you to do. And again, I brought up awareness in the last segment, becoming aware of yourself, of your triggers, of, of the way you behave, of how, what your values are and how you want to be. All of that is going to be um, the beacon that drives uh, your behavior through these difficult conversations. So be aware of your triggers, manage your triggers, and use those effective communication tools in those moments once you've calmed down and you're trying to navigate through the conflict um, and not in the argument. Beautiful. So we wish you the best. Uh, Stay tuned for the next episode of JBD Team Talks, and we'll be back soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.